heard a story about a man, um, uh, some men who were on a hiking, camping trip sort of scenario. They were uh, hiking and camping for several days, hiking, uh, I'm not exactly sure where they were, but they were hiking somewhere, and it was a whole group of guys, and they were hiking, and they were friends, and they were all together um, uh, doing this, hiking during the day, and then, uh, you know, uh, camping at night. And one of the group, uh, it became apparent the very first day, they'd all been told by the leader, there was a leader of this group, and he had told them what to bring. And so everybody's pack was filled up with all sorts of stuff that they had been told to bring, and their packs were very heavy and all filled up, and so they had all the supplies that they needed, because this was a a week-long trip, or, or, or several days, and they needed all this stuff in their pack. So their packs were all filled up with all this stuff, very heavy. But one of the guys in the group, the pack was just too much for him. It was clearly too much for him, and they were noticing this right away, that he was uh, really straining. He was really suffering. Um, You know, he was all red-faced and pouring sweat and exhausted and stumbling and struggling, and and it was really very, very hard for him. So that his pack was just was just killing him. What, he was, what he'd been told to carry, what had been put on his back, uh, everybody else seemed to be carrying it, but he was really struggling with what he was carrying. Um, this is a picture to me of, of certain times in my life. Um, certain times in my life from time to time, um, and it happens, I, I fall into this, these seasons, these periods of my life where I feel uh, where I'm sort of in a dark place, and I feel very, very miserable um, in my faith and very, very sad and anxious by what I know I need to do, what I know God's Word says, what I know I need to accomplish, what I need to achieve. And I'm, I'm saying um, I, I'm, I'm trying to advance myself spiritually, and so I'm trying to achieve certain things. I'm trying to be dutiful and do the right thing here and do the right thing here and, and avoid sin and be responsible. And I, and I want to do, do all these things because I want to be somebody. I want to be, um, you know, spiritually significant. I want to be, I'm a pastor, so I need, to be, I need to be special. I need to be obedient. I need to be someone who's on a different plane, someone who's achieving something spiritually. And so, Certain seasons, I become so focused upon that, upon me achieving this, me conquering this, me doing this, me accomplishing this, that I just become incredibly burdened by that pack that's on my back, and I am really, really struggling. Um, and I'm sad, and I'm anxious, and my Christianity is sort of miserable during those seasons. Um, and all, and my, every time I, I sin, every time I fail, every time I see my weakness, every time I see my inability to accomplish something, or my struggles, I just, I'm more and more miserable. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, I would be okay if I could just get, if, if I could just do this, if I could just fix this, if I could just get here, I'd be okay. And then I'm not able to. And I'm not okay. And I'm miserable. And I'm struggling. And if I could just, if I could just defeat this sin, I'd be okay. And I can't defeat it. It comes back again. And I'm miserable, and I'm struggling, and I'm struggling with this, and, I, and I'm trying to accomplish something. I'm trying to achieve something. I'm thinking also, about, I'm thinking about my situation like that, but um, I'm also thinking about a lot of you who are young, you're, you're, you're in your teens, or you're in your 20s, and you're sort of, you're beginning your adult life. Your adult life is before you maybe in your teens, your 20s, you're in your adult life, but you're just beginning that adult life. 
And I remember back to that stage that I was in and, and the kind of pressures that were on me at that time. And a lot, of, you know, a lot of older people look back and say, well, that was the time when I was healthy and, you know, I, you know, and everything was good. But really, it's a hard time in your teens, and your 20s. It's a very, very hard time. And the reason it's a hard time is you have your life before you and you, have, and you see all these people ahead of you and they've all achieved or some of them have achieved things and you feel the pressure that you have to achieve. You have to do something now with your life. Now it's on you. Do something. Make us proud. Uh, be special. Accomplish something that we will all say, look at him, look at her, look at what they're doing. Um, and so in your 20s and in your teens, that's, there's this incredible pressure that begins to build upon you to make yourself something, to make yourself special. And you're comparing yourself with those around you who are your age, but you're also comparing yourself with those who are ahead, and you have so far to go, and you're not special yet, and you want to get there, and you want to achieve, and you keep seeing your sins, you keep seeing your spiritual failures, you keep seeing your spiritual weaknesses, and you... Are, you can really, it can really be, at least seasons of that time, can be very, very miserable in your teen years and in your, early, and in your 20s. It can be a very, very difficult time and a very miserable time because you're feeling the same thing that I, that I was just describing that I feel sometimes. What about the rest of you? Do you get there sometimes? Do you have those kinds of spells, those kinds of seasons when you're feeling this way and you're, the, the Christian life is hard, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious about your failure, about your sin. Um, it's like a pack on your back and you're, and you're struggling and you're not doing well and, and everyone around can see that there's something wrong with you. I just had a, fr- a talk with a friend this week and didn't know what he was going through and he began to unburden himself that sounded just like this. He had all this stuff on him, and he just couldn't handle it anymore. And um, this is someone other people look up to. And yet he, his, his duties, what he thought he had to do, what he thought he had to achieve was too much for him. And he couldn't achieve it. He couldn't do it. And he was overwhelmed. Um, many, many Christians, I, I want to I tell you something, that, that many, many Christians experience this. Many, many Christians live in part times of their lives in a, in, a, in a kind of misery because of this, a kind of misery. And I, and I believe Galatians speaks to this. I believe this book that's in front of us, and the reason we're going through it, one of the reasons we're going through it is because it speaks to this very thing. It's something that was happening to the churches, and the, the churches in Galatia, multiple churches in different cities in Galatia, if you'll remember. It's something that was happening in those churches that those people were going through and so I, I, God's word here speaks to us, and so we're pulling from this week by week. Um, and this particular passage we have before us is really dense, but so I want to focus you in. You can get lost in all the detail. So I want to focus you in on the end, the second sentence in verse 20, okay? Find verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20, and look at the second sentence, okay? The second sentence. This is going to be our focus, and we're going to look at other, the other details, but we're going to focus on this. The life I now live in the body, Paul says, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So he's saying the life that I live every day in the body, this world, this age, this time in which we live, the life that I'm living day by day in the body, my life in this age, my physical life, I live it by faith in the Son of God. The Son of God is Jesus. And then what what does Paul say about Jesus? who loved me and gave himself for me. 
who loved me and gave himself for me. And, that's, and that statement right there, I want to make, make just one point for them. I'm not going to have three points or four points or whatever points today. I want to make one point today, and I want you to hear this point, and this is it. Jesus wanted you so much, he gave himself for you. Do you believe that? He knew your sin. He knew your failures. He knew all the problems that you had, the weaknesses that you were going to have. He knew all the troubles you were going to have, the, the tendencies to do this and the tendencies to do this, the achievements you were never going to reach, the sins that would plague you, the bad steps that you would take, the struggles that you would go through. And Jesus wanted you so much that he gave himself for you. And God wanted you so much, he sent Jesus for you. Don't miss that, too. The Father wanted you so much, he gave himself, I mean, he sent Jesus for you. But here we're told Jesus wanted you so much, he came into this world and he gave himself on the cross for you. Do you believe that? That's the, that, that's the heart of the, of the gospel message, and that's the kind of thing that can really lift the weight and the pressure off of you if you begin to, to get hold of it. And it's, that's the thing that we lose track of, at least in my life. When I'm going through and I'm in that miserable time, I'm realizing that I'm no longer relating to God with the mindset, God wants me, Jesus wants me, Jesus did all of this for me. He suffered terrible things for me because he wanted me. He knew my sin. He wanted to cleanse me of that sin, forgive me of that sin, pardon me of that sin, and he wanted me. He wanted a relationship with me. And so it's not, and so get the, the, the idea of this is it's not on me to achieve something so God will notice. Daddy, look. Jesus, look. Jesus, look what I did. Jesus, look at this. And to do things and accomplish things and become spiritually this, spiritually that, reach this level, reach this level. This is where the Galatians' mind had gotten, where they were like, you know what? Paul came in and taught us all that stuff, but he didn't teach us how to become spiritually. He didn't teach us how to, to, uh, to, 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 re, to, uh, to achieve things so that we can maintain our relationship with God or advance our relationship with God or, or improve our relationship with God. But see, the the point of all this is that's not how God formed a relationship with you. He formed a relationship with you because he wanted you and he acted and he sent Jesus for you because he wanted you. He wanted you. Do you believe that? During those seasons, I don't believe it. I believe he'll approve of me if I get this agenda that I have set for myself that, I, that I'm trying to pull from the word of God. But if I do this and accomplish this and do this, then he will be in relationship with me. Then he will be blessing me. Then it will be good. Then I will be advancing. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel Paul taught and we saw two weeks ago. It's not the gospel Peter taught, James taught, John taught. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus wanted you so much he gave himself for you. In other words, you don't have to go after God with your works and with your accomplishments and what you do. You don't have to go after God because he already went after you in Jesus Christ. He already went after you. You're not going after him. 
and you got to get his attention by this, 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 and this. He already formed a relationship. Now, I'm not saying you feel that relationship. During those struggling times when you're focused more on, on the, the backpack, on the thing on your back, and, your, and what you can do and what you can accomplish, when you become focused on the law and your accomplishments and your duties and your sin, then you probably are struggling to feel that relationship with God. But, it, but, it, but you need to return to the gospel again and remember that relationship with God and have it be reawakened again. Look at verse 18. We do need to look at a few other verses here, but that's our key verse. But I'm going to sort of sprint through these other verses if I can to show you how they connect, okay? Look at verse 18. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. Now, that may sound like a very, very difficult verse, but this is the way that it's usually interpreted and this is the way John Calvin, for example, interprets it. Um, the rebuilding right there, if I rebuild what I destroyed, means rebuilding the law. It means when you, came to, if you, when you came to Jesus in faith, you were saved by Jesus alone. But if you go back to relating to God by your accomplishments, your achievements, and the law, it's like rebuilding the law again that, that had been destroyed by your faith in Jesus Christ, and you'd been set free from the punishment of the law, set free from earning your salvation and all that, but you rebuild the law is like some people, and this is what the Galatians were doing, and this is what I do sometimes, folks. This is what I do sometimes. I, go, I get really focused in on, my, on what I'm doing and my accomplishments and my spiritual advancement, and I get so focused on that, and whether it's going well or not going well, and, and I begin to relate to God through that, and it's like I've gone back and rebuilt the law. And what you're doing when you do that is, God, I'd like to relate to you through my accomplishments. Will you look over this? Look over my, look over my, my resume here and see what I'm getting done, and, 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 and then, God, get back to me on it. And uh, I know you're going to be impressed Except usually I know that's not the case. But what the, the point is, is that if you do that, he says you make yourself a lawbreaker because you go back to the law, and guess what you find out when you get to the law? You're failing a lot. You're sinning a lot. And now you're a lawbreaker again. And you're no longer, you're no longer, uh, it's not that this really happens because, you know, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, but you begin to think that way. You go back to becoming, um, you, be, you go back to thinking of your sins and not thinking of what God has done for you in, in Jesus Christ. Um, that's the idea uh, look at verse 19, the first, the first part of verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. For through the law, this is, once again, you think some of these phrases are really strange, aren't they? This is what I'm talking about. This is a really dense and difficult passage. But for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. The idea there is that when you go to the law without a confidence in the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for you. When you just go to thinking about what you're going to do and what you're going to accomplish and what your sins you're going to defeat and all that, when you go to the law that way, um, the law uh, without God, without, I mean, sorry, without the gospel, the law only, the only word the law has for you is condemnation. <laughs> it has judgment on you and the law kills you and the law puts you to death. The law does not have a, a positive word for you. It does once you understand the gospel and once you're living out of faith in Jesus Christ, it has a positive word for you of, an, of guidance and how to thank God and how to live for God. But here, uh, or uh, anyway, um, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. The law condemns us. The law kills us. You will find no life in the law, Paul's saying, 
And so you must turn away from the law looking for your spiritual life, and you must turn to what he's saying in the rest of this passage. You must turn to Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ that you find. You turn away from the law, and you find in Jesus Christ a life for God. And that doesn't mean necessarily, that's not, Calvin argues here that this isn't necessarily yet talking about our obedience. We'll talk about that later in the book. But it's talking about a life of relationship with God, a life where you are recognizing what God has done for you, and you are in a relationship with him. But you have to, the idea is it ha, either you're living focused on what can I do, how can I achieve, how can I, how can I succeed, and how can I be something um, and living by your success, or you're focused on Christ's success, on Christ's salvation, what Christ has done, and the relationship with God that he has given you um, as a gift, the grace, the undeserved favor that he has poured out on you. Keep reading. Um, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Another strange phrase, right? But the essential idea there is, what does it mean that I've been crucified with Christ? The idea is that Jesus crucifixion set you, it's, it's like you died with him in the sense of your punishment was ended. When someone is punished, the, the punishment of the law is death. When someone is punished by the law, their punishment is now ended. They've received their punishment. They're, they're done. Um, uh, the only way to be, uh, if, you've, if you're a criminal and you've, and you've, you've, you've uh, uh, there's a punishment on you, the only way to not be a criminal anymore is to take the punishment. To once you've gone through the 10 years in jail or whatever punishment it is, the fine, um, or in some cases the death sentence, which ends your life, but that's the only way to be free of, to be free of that punishment. And, but here we're saying that in Christ, in our union with Christ, we have been set free from the punishment so that we're now living post-punishment. You're living after punishment. Your punishment, the judgment has already happened. The punishment has already happened. You, are, you know what's going to happen on the judgment day. You're already justified. You know, what the, you know how you stand before God because of Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. Your punishment is already over. You're reconciled to God. The next phrase in verse 20, verse 20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The idea is that Jesus is living in you, meaning you have his righteousness. Jesus is in you. You have his righteousness. Um, God is relating to you um, uh, not as the person you were before. When it says, I no longer live, of course you do physically still live. The idea is who I was without Jesus. The, the, the person that I am in my sin, the person that I am in my rebellion and all of that, is, um, is done. That person is, that person is no longer uh, who, I, who I am. Now Christ lives in me. Now God sees me with Christ's righteousness. Christ lives in me, and God relates to me as he relates to Christ. Um, you have a relationship with God because God, and, and remember, all of this, back to our, our key idea, this was all God's idea. This was all God's initiative. This is what God did for you when you were in your sin. This is what God is giving to you, what God is offering to you. And so we don't need to go back to, well, God, what can I, what can I do? What can I do to, to, to get blessing from you? What can I do to get favor from you? What can I do to keep your favor? What can I do to make sure you're still with me? What can I do to, none of that's how you relate to God. You relate to God through Jesus. You relate to what Jesus has done for you. Jesus came for you. That's your connection to God. It's through Jesus that Jesus lives in you. You have Christ's righteousness. You have a relationship with God because God 
wanted you. And verse 21 now. Um, we already did the, first, the second half of 20. Let me read it again to remind. No, let me, just, let me just read 21 for now. Skip to 21, the very last verse of chapter, two, of chapter 2 there. I do not set aside the grace of God. This is what Paul's saying the Galatians were in danger of doing. This is, this is what they were flirting with, the idea of setting aside the grace of God to go back to achievement and their own human achievements and human accomplishments. They were setting aside the undeserved favor of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, through obedience, through doing things, then Christ died for nothing. (laughs) He's saying, and the idea is this, what Christ did on the cross is everything. That's your source of everything. That's your sword. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. It's not what you're doing that is gaining God's relationship, God's blessing, God's love. It's none of that. It's you're relating to God through Jesus Christ and through Christ's cross. He's saying if, if, you, could, if you could have righteousness through, through the law, through doing something yourself, through reading the Bible and just responding to it and doing, if you could have that, then why did Christ die? Christ died for nothing. But instead, it's the reverse is true, that what Christ did on the cross is everything. He did everything on the cross. And so that that's how you relate to him. You relate to him through Jesus Christ and his accomplishment and through his cross. And you don't go back to the law. Because going back to the law, he said, is actually setting aside the grace of God. It's like, Lord, I know you're saying that I have your undeserved favor in Jesus Christ, but could I have a little glory here? You know, could I, could I, could I, could you, could you relate to me through these achievements? I want to, I want to do something. I want to be something amazing. I want to be something special. I want to be a spiritual elite. I want to be this, that, and the other thing. I want to do these things and I want you to, um, and I want you to notice this Lord and I want you to pour out more blessing on me. But the fact of the matter is you already have the blessing. You can, notice, you can notice when you've passed into this phase and the fact that justification doesn't make your heart sing anymore. Instead, all you really care about is what you are doing and what, how much you can accomplish and if, if God will respond to that and bless you. And justification just isn't, it's sort of, a, and that's what happened to the Galatians. Their justification that had excited them at first now was sort of dead in their hearts. They weren't excited about the gospel anymore. They weren't excited about Jesus' death on the cross anymore or about justification by faith anymore or the fact that Christ did it all and it was all a gift of grace. What they were excited about is what what kind of spiritual achievements could they do? What kind of spiritual accomplishments? Now that they had the Old Testament law, how could they read it and what could they do to uh, to win favor from God and to maintain their advance in the Christian life? Instead of, and so justification um, died in their hearts. And it was not, not, I'm not saying they're not, the Galatians aren't Christians. I'm saying, I think we all do this. I don't know if any of you are recognizing this, but this is, I, I've done this so many times. There have been phases of my life, seasons of my life, where I'd sort of turned away from justification and it really didn't mean much to me anymore. I actually remember when I was about 22 years old, talking to a, an older Christian and saying to him, you want to hear some stupidity? Get ready. You ready for some stupidity? Saying to him, I don't really care about justification. I said that. It came out of my mouth. I don't really care about justification. What I care about is God 
transforming me and making me something more. And I want to be, uh, I didn't use this kind of language, but I want to be something. I want to, I want to be something great. I want to be a spiritual warrior for God. I want to be the spiritual whatever for God. I want to be this wonderful spiritual thing for God. Um, I don't really care about justification. Who cares that God accepts you? That doesn't mean much to me. What it means to me is if God will take hold of me and change me. Wow. Stupid. Dumb. Idiotic. Man. I'm talking about myself, if anybody missed this, missed who I'm talking about. To- and, and that's a, what was I done? I was caught. I was basically a Galatian at that point. I was basically, you know, just completely trapped in this Galatian mindset. And a few years later, where was I? On my knees before God, weeping, saying, "Lord, only you, only, only, only what Jesus has done. Lord, it's by Your grace alone, Your grace alone." And I've had to learn that again and again. I've been sitting in church or reading a book or reading the Bible and heard the gospel, and it was like I was hearing it for the first time. Why? Because my heart had been sort of dead to it for a while because I'd been focused on me achieving, achievement, 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 achievement. How far can I go? How impressive can I be? What can I do? And I totally lost track of, you know you're a sinner, right? You know you're failing countless ways every day you know that God wanted you and that's the only reason you're here because Jesus wanted you and he came for you he knew all that sin and he just came for you in his undeserved favor and grace and that's how we live we live you wake up in the morning like I am accepted by God I'm in a relationship with God because of Jesus not because what I'm going to do today or what I did yesterday or what I ever did ever did Jesus wanted you so much. Um, verse 21, I do not, I don't know, did I even read this? Oh, yeah, I did. I did read it. Okay. Uh, and so you get this idea that I'll only be okay if I achieve, if I achieve this, like what I was saying about myself in the beginning, and you stop living by grace, and you don't really feel the relationship with God, because if you're coming to God with your stuff, God, look what I did. Look what I did. Um, now bless me because of what I did. There's, that's not a relationship. That's not the real relationship with God. The real relationship with God is coming to him through Jesus, humbly accepting his love and accepting his grace. And that's how we come to, and that's a real relationship. That's the relationship with God coming through, not through our achievement, but through Christ's cross. Jesus wanted you so much, he gave himself for you. The Galatians weren't, did not feel that anymore because they had moved on. They had moved past, they had, they had, they had outgrown the gospel. They had moved on to, that was Christianity 101, but now they're in 201, hoping to get into 301, looking forward down the road to 401. They can't wait to get to those advanced stages where the gospel doesn't even matter anymore because they are just out there, you know, blazing the trail with their power, with their spiritual power. Um, and forgetting all about the gospel, their spiritual accomplishments. The Galatians didn't feel the gospel anymore, so Paul's just trying to remind them of what the gospel actually is through this whole book to wake them up. Guys, what are you doing? They're trying to, uh, and, so, and so they're not feeling their relationship with God anymore. So on that camping trip I talked about at the beginning, this is what happened. This one guy was struggling. He was, he was struggling. He was, you know, like I said, he was just... Uh, for whatever reason, you know, who knows what, what was wrong with him. But th- this particular guy, and he's friends with the other guys. So they get to a resting point. They stop. They all put their packs down. And the other guys in the, the, other guys in the group just come over. They open his pack. They take out 
a few things, shove it into their pack. Another guy comes by. They don't say anything. They just take it out, put it in their pack. And third guy comes up, takes out his stuff, puts it in his pack. The fourth guy comes up, takes out his stuff, puts it in his pack. Now they're, they're going to head out, and the guy's pack is empty. <laughs> He's got nothing to carry anymore except the pack itself, so he puts it back on his shoulder, in the begin- and he begins to suddenly revive. He begins to suddenly do better. He's not carrying all that weight anymore, and he's able to finish out the trip. He doesn't have to go home because the other guys are carrying it for him. Now, this is not a, we could use this as a metaphor for the Christian life, sharing each other's burdens. I'm using it as all those other guys are assembled to us of Christ. Jesus Christ took all of those accomplishments, all of that burden of obedience and all the burdens of our sin and all the condemnation that was on us, all of it, the sin and the obedience, he put it on his back, and he is carrying it for you. And so you, relate to, you don't relate to God with a burden on your back. There's not anything that you have to be carrying. If, if, if I trip and fall and I can't carry this any further, then God and I are on the outs. God's gone. He's out. He, he's not gonna, the, 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 the group's going to move on, and I'll be abandoned. No, that's not the way he, God relates to us. He carries it. Jesus Christ carries it for us. He carries our sin, and he carries our obedience, and he accomplishes all that for us so that we relate to God without a burden on our back. There's nothing. Um, the, the law only kills us. The law only crushes us. Um, and, so th- and all this is not to say that there's not a place for obedience. We're getting there. It comes later in Galatians. There's a place for obedience. There's the fruit of the Spirit and all that. But it has nothing to do with that relationship with God. The relationship with God was established by Jesus because he wanted you and he came for you and he got you. And he's not letting you go. On on Wednesday, we talked about the glorious doctrine of the perseverance, which means once he gets you, he never lets you go. He holds on to you. And it's all by him. It's all his work. It's all his grace. It's all what God God has done. Um, Believe that God wants you. Believe that Jesus wants you. Believe that there's nothing you need to achieve. Is there, here's my application for today. Just kidding, there's no application for today. There's nothing for you to go and do. Christ did it to this sermon. You just need to believe the gospel. This is what this passage is teaching us. Believe these truths. Believe this gospel. Look to Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Relate to God. If you are in misery, if you're overwhelmed by your failure to achieve and by all the pressures of achievement, look to what really matters is your relationship with God and, and, and that, you, that God knows you and God loves you um, uh, and, that, uh, and that God is in relationship with you. And that has already been accomplished. Instead of trying to get there by doing something, recognize you already have it. For, for a lot of us, it's just a matter of waking up to what we already have, to what justification you already have. You just need to be aware of it. Justification is so big that if you really got it right now, it would explode your mind and heart and just like shed light everywhere and would just blow you away. You get a little bit of it. I get, I don't even, I, I get a little bit of it. but we also lose it sometimes, like the Galatians had lost it at this point, and they need to be reminded of it. So that's what we're doing right now as we go through Galatians, being reminded of this that we so easily lose track of. Believe that God wants you. Believe Jesus wants you. God sent Jesus for you. Nothing that you need to achieve in order to have that. 
believe the gospel. Believe in Christ. Take the gift that he gives you. And what is the gift? The gift of justification is not just a status. It's a relationship. What's exciting about the righteousness is that you have a relationship. He's saying, I'm removing the sin from you. I'm giving you the status of righteous so that we can be in a relationship with one another. You can be mine and I can be yours. And that's what he wanted when he accomplished this. He had to remove our sin so that he could be in this relationship with us, which is exactly what he's done. Let's pray.